Uh, Oliver has excellently read out today's Bible reading as we are continuing our series looking at prayer. Uh, so Nick has kind of kicked us off and we've looked at the Lord's Prayer together and we've thought a bit about how we go about praying and some of the things that we might like to include. Jesus taught us some things to be able to include. Laura spoke to us last week with more of the motivation of, of why we have access to be able to come into God's throne room, to be able to ask him for the things we need, to be able to find help from someone who gets us, someone who gets what it's like to go through life. Uh, today, uh, I'm going to be speaking to us from these three verses from Acts which focus on this little incident where Paul and Barnabas and the church in Antioch, uh, which is kind of one of the areas, the interesting thing that happens in the book of Acts is that the church kind of starts in Jerusalem and people become Christians there. You've got the, the Pentecost with Peter and the other disciples and everything's going well and they're going to the temple courts. But then the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders suddenly start to feel like these Christians are threatening their position. They're threatening their position of power and they're also threatening their place in the fact that they are bringing persecution from the Romans, not just on the Christians, but also on the Jewish people. And so things start to change and there's intense persecution. And one of the really interesting things that happens is rather than that actually putting a dent in the church, is that the church and all the Christians that are gathered all of a sudden start spreading out throughout the regions around. And Antioch is actually not particularly close to Jerusalem. If you look, it's kind of to the north and a little bit to the east, a fair way from Jerusalem. This is where some people went, but they didn't just go scared and terrified of this persecution. They went telling everyone what Jesus had done for them. And then we've got this church in Antioch where some of the, the Jewish Christians are gathering and there's not just Jewish Christians, it's one of the first places where there are Greek Christians that have not actually been brought up as Jewish people. They've not grown up knowing the Torah and the Old Testament law. They've not grown up following all the food laws. And we have this church where they're just all mixed in, perhaps a bit like what we are. And the fact that sometimes that's going to make things different for us than what we might expect and sometimes we're going to need to to be gracious for other people uh, and so you've got this kind of church that's there in Antioch and then there it says they're worshiping and fasting together but it's interesting like before I get too much into explaining what's going on I think it's worth actually sometimes stopping and actually understanding some of the key things that I think particularly we've got some kids amongst us today uh, and it's interesting because it talks about worshiping and fasting and sometimes we just make an assumption that we know what those things are. So I want you to take a moment, and I'm going to ask for you to call out, if you're willing, your thoughts in a moment. But I want you to take a moment. I want everyone, I want everyone here, I want you to close your eyes. Can we all do that? Close your eyes. And when we hear this term, worshipping, or worship, I want you to bring a mental picture to your mind of what is that? What comes to your mind when you hear somebody is worshipping the Lord? Stay with that. Are there other elements that you want to bring into that mental picture that you have? What sort of things are involved when we imagine what worship is? Or if you have your eyes closed, you can open your eyes again now. Is there anyone who's willing to, to maybe call out to me what they imagined worship was? Our bodies. Interesting. Do you care to flesh that out? Huh? Get it? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Oh, I'm really sorry. Um, I just couldn't help it. It came out. <laughs> um, Okay, interesting. Any other ideas? Thanks, Nick. Any other thoughts that came to his mind as they were imagining worship? Josh? Singing and praying. Singing and praying. So in that mental picture, was there like some people were praying, some people were singing, or was it like 
they were singing, but it was a prayer. Nice. Lovely. Neil? Silence. Silence. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Silence can definitely be. Pete? Sharing meals is worship. Lovely. I'm loving that. That's great. Yes, Diana? So someone like prostating themselves, I, I always struggle with that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got, it, I got it wrong, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> this is why I don't normally say that word. Uh, I should have just gone with the odd description of lying down flat on the ground with her arms out. Yeah. <laughs> Laura's like, yes, you should. Never say that word again. Um, <laughs> yes, Laura. Amazing. Amazing. So look, we've got all these different pictures of what worship is. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, tells us something a bit like what Nick was saying. It tells us that true and proper worship is offering our whole bodies, our whole self, as living sacrifices. If you want to learn another word, uh, that's what you would call an oxymoron, a living sacrifice. Two words that don't really go together, but are kind of being pushed together. We're offering our bodies as a living, ongoing sacrifice to God. Uh, this means that everything can actually be an act of worship. When we do, worship is about us, us honouring God. Silence can be used to honour God. A meal shared with others can be used to honour God. Feeling God's presence and just needing to lie down in front of Him can be honouring to God. Sometimes even going to work and doing your job can be worship if you do it in a way where you are seeking to honour God, to, to use the skills and the talents that he has given you, acknowledging his, his gifts to you, acknowledging that you can make a difference to others. And you can do this for God, honouring him. Every aspect of our lives, worship is about us bringing honour to our God. We honour God when we come together and we sing. Singing is worship. But worship is more than just singing. We honour God when we, when we seek to come together and pray together. Praying is worship. But worship is more than just praying. Now sometimes when we talk about worship in church, we think about it as, as singing or praying together, which is part of it, right? And so you'll hear that language, even I'll use that language sometimes, but I want us to know that worship is more than just singing together. It's more than just praying. So when the Bible talks about worship, it's not just saying people were singing. So this church in Antioch weren't just gathered together uh, singing some songs when it says worship. There's more to it than that. They were honouring God together in everything they were doing. It doesn't tell us what they were doing. They may very well have been singing. They may have been praying. They may have been sharing a meal. They may have been sitting in silence. They may have been coming together to be able to learn the scriptures. They may have been chanting or reciting scriptures, which we know that they did in the early church. All these things are worship. So they came together and they were worshipping and fasting. I wonder if anyone's ever come across that concept or that idea before of fasting. We know what worship is now, but what is fasting? And if you can fast, can you slow? I think you can in Europe. Um, what actually is fasting? Michael. Wonderful. Well, these monks and people and everybody else in the Middle Ages, 
Awesome. So that's great what Michael said. And we're going to get to that a bit later because we're, we're going to be talking about how actually denying ourselves food, which is what fasting is, fasting is choosing not to eat. And actually, if we think about it, we do actually use the word fasting in our everyday language pretty much every single day. Put up your hand if you're here this morning if you had breakfast. So you broke the fast. Your overnight fast, you broke the fast by eating food. Breakfast. That's where that word comes from. People fast overnight and you break that in the morning. Breakfast. So we use it, we just don't often think about it. Uh, in my role as pastor here, one of the great joys I have is I actually get to catch up with people from time to time uh, and I get to hear some of their stories and I get to hear what God is doing in their lives. It's actually probably one of my favourite parts uh, of my job is being able to spend time with people. Uh, I was chatting to someone probably a bit over a month ago uh, and they told me that they'd actually done a fast recently. Uh, so I thought I'd get them to come on up and we could hear a bit from them about what fasting is and what they did. So Pete, could I get you to come on up, please? Uh, not everyone here might know Pete. Uh, Pete, what's your... I don't have a microphone for you. <laughs> I can yell. No, there's one right there. Let's grab off the... Oh, hang on. Diane's got one. Bit good. Coming uh, through. Yep. Pete, what's, what's your name? Full name? Peter Grant. Peter Grant. Nice. Uh, how long have you been coming along to Glen Osmond for? I don't know, two to three months. I said three or four. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time flies. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty close. <laughs> uh, not to correct you on your own opinion. Um, and where, whereabouts do you come from? Uh, I mean, we're south-based, but yep. um, the background is with Uniting Church okay, and nice. a bit of Charismatic Church, a bit Lovely. of a mix. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, okay, great. Uh, so you've had a kind of a bit of a different background, kind of a few different traditions. Uh, you did a fast recently. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about that. When did you do your fast? Uh, it was right at the start of August. Um, I had been feeling for a while that fasting might be a good idea. Just various things kept coming up about fasting. I was like, ah, oh, that sounds interesting. And I felt kind of a, a leading, I guess, by the Holy Spirit. Nice. Um, and I, I didn't do anything. Um, and then one weekend, I just felt I needed to do something. And I, I felt like the previous weekend I had an opportunity and I missed the opportunity. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fast. Like, I didn't look into it thoroughly and tease out the ins and outs of how to do the fast and what you should do, except obviously drink. And, yep. uh, how, how long did you fast for? Uh, it was about three days in total. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, that's a reasonable amount of time. Uh, is this something you regularly do? This is the very first. Very first time you fast, so you, <laughs> you kind of hit it and you're like a, a whole weekend, three days. Yep. Uh, what, why did you do it? Like, I'm not sure, like obviously it's, there's a multifaceted answer here. Yeah. But if you could kind of boil it down a little bit, like what, what led you to go, I'm going to stop eating food for three days? Um, well, it was kind of a multitude of factors. Uh, one of which was I had the house to myself for the whole weekend. And so I figured... Well, that was kind of a secondary thing, actually. It was like, actually, this worked out quite well. Mm. But it was, it was very much, I had, since April, been spending more time with God, like mm. reading the Word, spending each day in prayer, which was not a common practice, mind you. Like, I've been a Christian for most of my life, and I've never mm. done it to this extent. So I think it was largely because of how much time I was spending with God and oh. just seeing where He wanted to lead me. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, how did it, like, did it help? How did it help you? Yeah, it helped a lot. Um, I don't think I could say how much it helped, but it was surprising. I don't think I would have been as attentive, you know, because there's a lot of things, obviously, you worry about each day, and you, yeah. you're, you're thinking about a lot of things, but when, when you're hungry all the time, um, which, you know, you do get, <laughs> um, it helps you focus. On God. And so I just spent so much time just prayerfully considering whatever came to mind, just writing down, journaling. Nice. Uh, listening to worship music. Awesome. Yeah. So is it something that you would, would do again? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I absolutely would. 
Nice one. All right, thanks, Peter. Let's give Peter a round of applause. Thanks for sharing, mate. I just thought that would be helpful to hear someone. It's not Pete's regular habit that he's in. It's just something that God placed on his heart to do at a time where Pete was like, I feel like I want to be close and I feel like I want greater intimacy with God. And so he was led to, to stop eating and to spend some time dedicated praying, fasting, setting aside himself uh, for God. Uh, it's interesting because fasting has also become uh, a, a word that perhaps we might recognize that's, that's kind of connected with some of the, the weight loss programs at the moment. Intermittent fasting is a very popular sort of thing that you might be hearing online or around the place. Uh, but fasting is something that, that God's people have done long before it was popular as some sort of weight loss scheme. Uh, it's something that people did all through the Bible. And there's a few reasons why people would fast given in the, in the Bible. We see perhaps our prime example of fasting is when Jesus himself fasts. So in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus fasts. And there is, there is something as he does this where he's able to overcome temptation. As he stops eating for 40 days, he's able to focus on God and his relationship. And he has access to be able to overcome these incredible temptations that the devil presents before him. Uh, and it's not just that. We see there's almost this physical expression of a desire or a dedication to God. So choosing not to eat, to be dedicated to God, reminds us that actually our spiritual health is more important than our physical needs. Our spiritual health is more important than our physical needs. And it's important that we hear that because our world tells us it's all about our bodies, it's all about what we put, it's all about being physically healthy. But actually, the Bible says something that's even more important, and it's not saying that it's not important, it is important to take care of our bodies, but there's something even more important, and that is our spiritual health. Fasting also helps humble ourselves. As we focus on denying ourselves something that we want for ourselves, to nourish ourselves, there's a, a humility where we're saying, what I crave isn't actually number one desire in my life. Actually, being dedicated, honouring God is actually the number one focus for me. And we also see in the Bible that fasting is intricately linked with prayer. As people fast, they spend the time praying. I've heard of people who, as they fast, they, they might use the time that they would have set aside preparing meals. They might use that time, rather than preparing meals and eating the meals, to spend that time in prayer, because they've all of a sudden got much more time. And that would have been significant in biblical times, right? They didn't have convention ovens, they didn't have fan-forced things, they didn't have stovetops, they had a fire, and it took a long time to cook. And so if they were fasting, they've got a whole heap of extra time to pray. I've heard of people who have used the hunger pangs, as motivation to prayer. When they feel that hunger, they are then reminded, I'm doing this for God, and so I'm going to spend that time praying. We see some examples in books like Ezra and Judges of people who are fasting. In Ezra, it kind of is almost more done to strengthen their prayer. Doesn't make God more likely to hear us, but can help us to focus and help our prayers. Uh, sometimes it's used in Judges when people are seeking God's guidance. Sometimes fasting at times of great need or confusion around the future can be a really helpful thing because it makes us open to what God might say. It makes us open to His guidance. What is interesting about fasting is there's something linked in the Bible with God's power. And that kind of makes sense. Because as we do something physically that demonstrates our dependence and our desire to overcome temptation, that humbles ourselves and reminds us of God's strength and guidance. It makes sense that we would have access to more of God's power, not in some way where it's some sort of transactional thing. If you stop eating, you get more of God's power. That's not how God works. But as we open ourselves up 
and we choose to dedicate ourselves to God, it makes sense that we are more in touch with him and therefore have greater access to his power. And that actually brings us to what we're going to do. Because we're actually going to share now in a time of communion. And this is a time for us to remind ourselves and refocus. This is a time for us to feed, right? That might seem funny after talking about fasting, but this food is supposed to remind us of what we actually is our greatest spiritual need. That as we take this bread and this juice into our bodies and it becomes part of us, this is supposed to be a symbol and a sign of what Jesus has done for us spiritually. This is his body broken. This is his bloodshed. This is the core of who we are. This is a meal which isn't about feeding our bodies. This is a meal that's about feeding us spiritually, about feeding our souls, refocusing us as individuals, but also us as a community. It's been a week since we've gathered and done this as a church family. I don't know what your week has been like. I imagine that there's been highs, great things that have happened, and maybe there's been some tough things. I've not been in touch with everyone. I don't know what's going on in your world. There's definitely been highs and lows in the greater world around us, even in our nation. There's things that have happened which have been good and things that have been happening which have been terrible. There have been highs and lows for us. This is a time for us to come and recenter, to focus on who we are, what gives us our identity, regardless of our weeks, regardless of the things that happen around us in our world. We are people who have accepted Jesus' death and resurrection for us. So I'm going to invite us now to come to eat the bread, to consume this in remembrance of what God has done for us and who we are as his people. I'm going to encourage us to grab one of the cups, to take it back, because what I love about communion is it's something that feeds us as individuals, but it also feeds us as a community. And so I love that there's two elements that we do here at Glen Osmond, where we eat the bread as a personal thing, as we personally reflect on what Jesus has done for us. But then we drink together as a reminder that this is not something we do alone. We don't journey alone. We journey together in community. So please, friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come, eat, reflect on what God has done and who we are. Acts 13, uh, verse 2 says, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now this makes me think a bit about communication. God said, the Holy Spirit said, communication. So to help us think about different forms of communication and different ways you might be able to say something, I have a bit of an activity. Now, kids, this might be something that you can help me out with because I've got four different forms of communication. I have four different words here that need to be communicated, and I have four different forms of communication. And let me tell you, it's going to get harder as you go along. So if you want the easy one, I suggest you volunteer early. So. Do I have a volunteer who would like to come and communicate a word to everyone here? And everyone has to try and guess what the word is. Do you need a volunteer who's going to come? Oh, Lucas has put his hand up. Thanks, Lucas. Well done. In your spirit, you put your hand up. Um, all right, so your, your, your task is to communicate this word. Have you ever played the game Taboo? Okay, the game Taboo works. I'm going to give you a word, and you have to describe this word to everyone else without saying the actual word. So you can use any words you want except for the word itself. And your word, so can you describe that? And you have to try and guess the word that I've written here from Luke's description. All right, Luke, off you go. No, not acting. That's one of the later ones. 
So you have to, you can't act it, no actions. You've just, there's a microphone to help you. You've just got to describe. You've got to describe the word. All right, ready? Go. So you, when might you do this? You're talking to Jesus. Oh, look at that. Well done. That was the word. Thanks, Lucas. Smashed it. Too easy. All right, that was the first challenge, the easiest one. Uh, the second one is more of a, a word association. So you're going to get one word. I'm going to show you what a word, and you have to think of a word that you associate with that. And you only can say the one word. No actions, you just say one word. You can say it lots. So you could say it fast or slow or loud or quiet, but you can only say the one word. Do I have a volunteer who'd like to try? Micah, come on down for some word association. Yep. Look at that, give me a clap before you've done anything. That's awesome, mate. All right, so your word, so that's your word. Think of a single word that you associate or connects with that. So don't, so you've got to think very carefully because you only get the one word. You can't add anything else. So it can't be that word itself. It has to be a different word. So what do you think your association word be? You ready? Song. Song. I heard, what was that, Josh? Yes! Good job, Micah. All right, I got me. Good job, mate. Uh, leaving me hanging. Uh, that's all right. Uh, singing, yes. All right, so we've had prayer, we've had singing. Uh, all right, the, the third one is going to be one you have to act out. So, spirit charades. So, you can't use any words, you have to act out. Do I have a volunteer to come and act out uh, my, the third word? A volunteer... Oh, it seems that Diana has put her hand up in her spirit as well. <laughs> yeah, there's always a person who dumps someone in. You're correct. Uh, your, your word that you have to act out is right there. Okay. All right. No um, words. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck to you, man. All right, here we go. Go. Grace got it. Well done. Grace, what was it? Fasting. Well done, Diana. That was good. Uh, the last word we've had is prayer, singing, fasting. The last word is the hardest. You've got to use your foot to spell the word. <laughs> so everyone has to guess using your foot. Do I have somebody? Judson, you want to come up and use your foot? You're quite good at football. You're quite good at football, so this should be a fairly easy one for you. That is the word that you have to spell with your foot. All right, ready? He's going. So maybe, maybe let them do each letter. Do it. So do the first letter. Incorrect. No, keep going. No, no C, no Q. Go again. I think it's a capital. No, no. He's facing himself, so you have to turn it around. So maybe, maybe do the small one. Do it, no, yep. Yes. <laughs> but still do it really big. Oh. Oh. D. All right, we're started. D. All right, do the second letter now. Well done. Smash that one. G. What's, somebody said it. Dog, correct. Good job. It was prayer, singing, fasting, and dog. Because I wanted a short one because it was take a while to do the foot. But if you spell it backwards, it's God. Um, don't groan. Um, I don't know the mic. You're correct, Laura. Uh, all right, so we talked about communication. But here in this passage, God himself, the Holy Spirit, has communicated. It says, the Holy Spirit said, set aside Paul and Barnabas. 
Now, it actually doesn't tell us what that was like. Uh, we don't know if there was a big booming voice, like when Jesus is baptized and you, there's a booming voice that comes out of the sky. We don't know if there's like a bright, shining light and a voice, like when Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. We don't know whether there's a, a quiet whisper or a silence, like when Elijah hears from God on Mount Carmel. It actually doesn't tell us how the Holy Spirit says this. But it seems that everyone was convinced that Barnabas and Saul were to be set aside for an important mission. There was no doubt in people's minds that the Holy Spirit had said, and this was what was to happen. What this shows us And what I really want to draw out from this passage for today is that I think sometimes prayer can actually be a two-way conversation. Often we think of prayer, we think of just us talking to God. Sometimes, if we're honest, maybe just talking at God. Um, But it's my firm belief that God is a God who speaks. And he still speaks today. Pete shared about how he had a sense of God calling him to do something. God telling him to do something. But sometimes we're, we're so fixed on bringing our long list of problems for God to fix. We actually don't give him the opportunity to speak to us. I actually believe there's been moments in my life where God has spoken to me. Now, this hasn't been in a big, booming voice. Swanee, I want you to go tell that person about me. Now, that's not saying that God can't do that. I think that God can very much speak that way. I just personally haven't experienced that myself. The way I have experienced God speaking is by having promptings, feelings that don't seem to come from me, that seem to be about serving or helping other people or about God or Jesus, something to do with my faith. Perhaps I might be somewhere and I'll feel really unsettled. I'll feel restless. I've had that happen. I feel like I've just got to get out of that space. I don't really know why. I just feel like this isn't somewhere where I want to be right now. Sometimes I've had someone's face or someone's name pop into my mind and the idea that maybe I should reach out to them. Uh, Maybe I should give them a call or send them a text message. And then when I've done that, sometimes I hear later that that call or that message came at a pivotal time for them that I couldn't possibly have known how important that time would have been. The The timing clearly wasn't from me. Sometimes I've had an idea about something I could do to help or serve someone else. Sometimes we might make a meal for someone who is unwell or who's struggling. And there's been times where I've been making a meal and I've just felt a sense of make more. Don't just make one meal, make two. And I'm like, but I don't only have one person to give a meal to. And so, like, what do I do? So, in, it's only happened once or twice, but in those moments, I've made more. And I've prayed, God, if you've got someone that you want this meal, can you show them to me? Because I feel like you've told me to make a meal, and I don't know why. Like, it's happened once or twice, and both times it's happened, God's presented somebody who has been in need. It's not like that meal has ever gone bad in my fridge waiting for God to show me who the person that needs the meal is. Promptings, feelings, sensations that I've had. Uh, Now, it's important to remember that the Bible is clear and actually warns us about trusting our feelings. And so there's a warning in here too. I'm saying that I've heard God speak through promptings and feelings, but I also want to make a note and acknowledge that the Bible warns us against trusting feelings implicitly. Our feelings can actually mislead us. So there are people in my life that I can go to when I have these promptings and feelings. People of faith, 
people who are part of the church community, people who I know are regularly in God's Word and are actually listening to Him, who I can go to and I can say, I've had this idea, I've had this thought. What do, what do you think? Can you pray about that and let me know what you think about this? God's given us the gift of community. He's given us the gift of each other. So let's use that gift. Because I've also seen times where somebody has come and said, I've had this thought and this sense of something that I should do. What do you think? And sometimes it's been, I've thought about it, I've prayed about it, and I'm not sure that's from God. I was part of... uh, a youth leadership team in my first church where I came to faith. Uh, and one of the youth leaders one time came up to the, the youth minister at our church uh, and he said, I've had a word from God this week. This was on Friday, an hour before youth group's about to start. I've had a word from God to this week. You need to let the person who's prepared the talk for tonight know that they're out and I'm in. The youth minister had an hour to go... I really appreciate what you're saying and the fact that you've, you've felt this, but this person has put time and effort and energy into preparing something, and we also want to honour that. And so I'm hearing what you're saying, but I feel we're still going to go ahead with this person. Maybe we could fit what you've heard or sensed into a different thing or a different time in the night. Because God's Spirit works in unity. And so that's why we come and we bring these things to one another. We ask each other, I've had this feeling. And we know not to just implicitly trust the feeling, but to come to someone and go, what do you think? Can you pray with me about this? Is this right? And that's exactly what the church in Antioch does. They gather, they hear, God says, set aside. And then they gather together and they pray more. They pray more. In verse 3 of Acts 13, it says, so after they had fasted and prayed... So God, they were, they were worshipping and fasting. The Holy Spirit says, set aside Paul and Barnabas. And the church fasts and prays. And then they place their hands on them and send them out. Do you see what happens here? There's a, a, an amazing collective wisdom that happens here. Because the reality of our Christian faith is that no one person has the authority of the voice of God. This is where some of the big churches in the States have come unstuck, and this is sometimes my concern as the pastor, that I get viewed as the person who has the voice of God. That scares the life out of me. And it's not accurate, right? God speaks to each of us. I am not the sole person who has access to the voice of God. This is the part of the reason we have done the surveys that we did in June and July. Because I believe that there is a collective wisdom that we can access. God speaks to each of you, and I want to hear what he's saying about our church. On your seats this morning, you may have even found uh, the report back. So there was about 20 of them left lying around their place, which kind of just goes through and outlines some of the things from the survey. We have received 26 surveys back. That's a lot of information. There's a lot of data. And so the OLT have read through those 26 surveys, and we have tried to summarize some of the data that we've found, some of the common themes that were coming out of that, and we are trying to, to work out, this is what we feel the collective wisdom of our communities. This is what the voice of God is not just saying to me, it's not just saying to the OLT, but it's saying to all of us. And we are now bringing it to you saying, is this what you're hearing? Is this what God is saying to you? Because we want to hear your opinions. And on the back page, they've got about seven different questions there that we still would love you to think about and pray about, to ask God for. It's going to be part of what we're doing at our 24 hours of prayer, actually spending some time dedicated to praying through these things and actually listening, not just talking at God, but asking and waiting and listening to what He might say for us and to us. 
the hope of the surveys, the hope of what we're moving towards is some sort of vision or mission statement for us as we seek to move forward together. Who is it that we are? Who is Glen Osmond Baptist Church? What do we care about? What are we passionate about? And where do we want to invest our resources? Because as was noted in a number of the surveys that we collected, we have limited resources in terms of numbers of people, in terms of finances, in terms of effort and energy to pour into things. So where is it that we are feeling God is calling us as his people that meet in this building on a Sunday to pour our effort into? And so we've prepared this document and we would love it if you are able to have a read through this to maybe sit down and pray about that as a family, maybe over dinner or just a separate set of time set aside. If you want to fast as a family, that might be something that you could do as you partner with praying through that. In your small groups, I would love feedback from your small groups about some of this sort of stuff. Uh, and then, like I mentioned, at the 24-hour prayer event, my hope is that we're able to also push into this as well and hear what is God saying to us collectively. Our God is a God who speaks. And he doesn't just speak to me. He speaks to every single one of you. There is a collective wisdom, and I believe the Spirit works in unity. And so I want us as a collective to tap into what is God saying he wants us as his people who meet here to do. Prayer. How to pray, why we should pray, prayer that listens as well as speaks. We listen and we seek to hear what God has to say to us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of prayer. We thank you that we get to come to you and bring you everything that's on our hearts and in our minds. But we also acknowledge that prayer isn't just a one-way conversation where we bring you stuff. That we see in the Bible that prayer is dynamic that as people come and they worship and they fast and they pray, that you speak. And we pray that you would speak to us as your people here at Glen Osmond. We particularly pray as well for the survey uh, and for our mission and vision as we seek to move into the future. We want to be a people who are guided and led and directed by you, by your word not by a human agenda, but by your agenda, Lord. Amen. I want to say one final thing that I know that this is going to slow the process down. Uh, this process already has taken a long time. You did these surveys in June, July. Some of you might even be feeling like that's a distant memory. Uh, we're towards the end of... We're in October. We're in October, wow. Uh, we're in October, so it's a while ago that you've done it. And it's going to be a while before we have the next step as well. But I think it's better to move slower where we're all on board and that we can know for sure that this is what God wants for us than to push ahead quickly with something that might not be what God has for us. Does that make sense? Thanks. Um, so, <clears throat> through this series on prayer, we've obviously been focusing on learning a little bit about prayer, but we don't just want to be a people that talks about it, we want to be a people that does it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to spend some time listening to God, and that can actually be quite challenging for a lot of people. We live in a world where we're constantly distracted, we're constantly moving, and so spending some time in prayer listening can sometimes be a little bit confronting. And so what I want to do today uh, is what is called imaginative prayer. And it was made popular by a guy called St. Ignatius. And what I'm going to do is I'm guide us through this. And so for some people, this might feel actually a little bit uncomfortable. It's a bit like kooky for some people. Um, and I'm potentially one of those people. But I have had some incredible times with this. I've had times where I've really felt the presence of God. I've had other times where I've sat in silence for five minutes and just gone, well, that was a waste of time. And then I've got up and got on with my day. You might land anywhere in that spectrum today or when you do it, and that's perfectly fine. But I encourage us to 
kind of bend this a little bit and allow God to speak to you and to listen out as we as we move through it. So, uh, and this will be interesting with the kids, but let's give it a shot. And if you like it or it's something that you're interested in, um, go research it. Try it early in the morning when no one's up or whatever it is. Spend some time listening to God. Um, and there are a ton of guides out there that can help you through that. So um, if you want to find a place that's going to work for you, if you're sitting there, that's fine. If you want to close your eyes, if you want to move to another spot, feel free to do so now. Um, and I'm just going to guide us through this, um, through this prayer. So let's close our eyes. So begin by taking a few deep breaths to calm your mind and heart. You can breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth. Allow it to take some time to, to calm your brain, to calm, breathe out all the things that are going on in your brain and just you allow yourself to focus on your breath and focus on the presence of God. So while you're doing that, while you've got your eyes closed, I want you to imagine a place that you find peaceful or that you're able to rest in, somewhere that is meaningful to you, that allows you to feel that sense of peace. That might be by the sea on a bench. It might be sitting in a forest, a garden, maybe cuddling up in a warm bed. Think about the details of this place. What can you see? What can you smell? What can you touch there? Now that you've got a picture of where you are, I want you to invite Jesus to join you. Imagine him walking towards you with a warm smile. And as Jesus approaches, ask him a simple question. Like, what, what do you want to tell me today, Jesus? Or how can I be more like you? Listen quietly in your heart for any thoughts or feelings that might come to you. What do you feel in your body? Where do you feel it in your body? It might be a sense of peace, love, or perhaps conviction or guidance. Be okay with that. Imagine having a conversation with Jesus about your question. You can speak to him as if he's a good friend of yours, sharing your honest thoughts and feelings. Pay attention how you feel during this conversation. Do you feel joyful? Comforted? Encouraged? presence of allow that presence of Jesus to warm your heart to break through anything that's been going on in your week or your life now imagine that Jesus is giving you a special gift something that will help you be better person or show love to others what does that gift look like to you what does that gift look like in your life now thank Jesus for his presence his words and the gift he has given to you Allow yourself to feel whatever it is that's going on in your body as, as you're saying goodbye, as you're um, cherishing that time that you spent with Jesus. Allow that feeling in your body, whatever it is, allow it to be.
slowly open your eyes and take a moment to reflect on this experience. Remember that you can come back to that experience anytime you want to. Jesus will be there waiting for you. Remember the feelings that you had, how your body felt, where you went. Remember that's always available to you any time of the day. Let me just finish in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence in our lives. Thank you that through Holy Spirit, your presence is constantly available to us, that we have an endless supply, that you are always all around us and all we need to do is open ourselves up to you. We thank you for your love, for your patience, for your guidance. And we pray this week as we move into whatever it is that we're doing, that we will take time to be opening our ears and our hearts and our minds to you, to be listening to what you're calling us to, to feel those promptings and to act upon them in a way that's going to glorify you, edify the church and love others. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for for everything and who you are. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. So I hope you guys enjoyed that or got something out of it. And even if you didn't, that's perfectly fine. But um, I'd encourage you sometimes to just take some time to do it. It's very helpful. Um, and it, I think it just gives us space of what we don't really have in life. We don't have a lot of space and it just forces us to take some time. So um, take that into your lives, whatever you want to take from it. And uh, yeah, bless you. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Just a couple of things to remind you of as we finish up. Um, the first is same time, same place. Next week we'll be hearing from Neil. The kids will be in a school holiday program, um, so they'll be out for part of the service. Um, but we won't be in here. We will be in the hall because as of tomorrow, um, this is a 